Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Renegade, Renegade Talk Radio. I didn't want to be right. I really didn't want to be right. Turns out I was right. And a hitherto secret Israeli intelligence document admits it. Americans, Canadians, Brits, Europeans. If you've been enjoying scenes like this over the past few weeks... get ready for a whole lot more. A leaked document penned by the Israeli Ministry of Intelligence reveals all. Their preferred option, according to this document, is the full forcible and permanent transfer of the Gaza Strip's 2.2 million Palestinian residents. Initially to Egypt's Sinai Peninsula and then to guess where? Countries in Europe and especially the Mediterranean Greece, Spain. Which will be mandated to absorb and settle this vast quantity of people. Along with Canada, which will also carry out the absorption of the population of Gaza and its settlement within the framework of the permissive immigration policy. The document lays out how an aggressive public relations campaign will be ramped up in the Western world to promote the transfer plan. One which does not incite or vilify Israel, but which calls on the West to step up and take the refugees as a humanitarian necessity to prevent mass civilian deaths in Gaza. There it is in black and white. Western Europe, Canada and eventually the United States will once again, despite the un mitigated disaster when it occurred last time, be expected to take in millions of Middle Eastern refugees. What could possibly go wrong? Statistically, 57% of Gazans have a positive view of Hamas, which, whatever you think of Israel, is a terrorist group that slaughters innocent civilians to achieve its political aims. So that's another 1 million plus people minimum heading to the West who support an Islamic terror group. But is the document authentic? Well, unfortunately for us, it seems to be completely legitimate. First reported on in English by 972mag.com, which isn't some random website. It's a prominent news outlet in the region run by seasoned journalists, both Israelis and Palestinians. The report was also first released in Hebrew by partner site Local Call, which also verified the authenticity of the document. A source in the intelligence ministry confirmed to Local Call and Plus 972 that the document was authentic, that it was distributed to the defence establishment by the ministry's policy division, and that it was not supposed to reach the media. Does the existence of the document mean that the forcible transfer of 2.2 million Gazans to Canada, America and Europe will go ahead? Not necessarily. The government doesn't have to explicitly follow the plan. But given Benjamin Netanyahu's previous behaviour, it's a distinct possibility. Although it was subsequently scrapped, BB reached a deal with the UN back in 2018 to send 16,000 West African migrants to Western countries instead of deporting them back to their homelands. Only last month, Israel responded to migrant riots in Tel Aviv. By vowing to deport all African migrants, every single one, are they all heading our way too? We're just going to lie back and take it as Israel dumps its problems on us once again. Exports its ethnic blood feuds to our streets. Streets that are already boiling over with rage and resentment as a direct result of the vast quantities of migrants from that region that we've already imported. Turning back to the document in more detail, it recommends that Israel act to evacuate the civilian population to Sinai during the war established 
established tent cities and later more permanent cities in the northern Sinai that will absorb the expelled population, and then create a sterile zone of several kilometres within Egypt and prevent the return of the population to activities residences near the border with Israel. At the same time, governments around the world, led by the United States, must be mobilised to implement the move. It also emphasises how the Biden administration, which has not so far overtly said that Palestinian refugees will be settled in the US, will be a key player in overseeing this massive population transfer to the West. The document also says that the United States should be enlisted in the process to exert pressure on Egypt to absorb the Palestinian residents of Gaza, and that other European countries, particularly Greece and Spain, as well as Canada, should help absorb and settle the Palestinian refugees. The Ministry of Intelligence said the document was not yet formally distributed to US officials, but only to the Israeli government and security agencies. It also makes clear that the Palestinians will not be allowed to return. Don't forget, both Jordan and Egypt have made it very clear that they'll refuse to take in any Palestinian refugees for any length of time other than on a very temporary basis before they're quickly dispatched to Western Europe, Canada and the United States. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. As always, there is so much news to cover as the New World Order publishes daily on every major media outlet, except this one, of course. It's plans for the total takeover of the world and all of our rights. Everything seems to be going swimmingly for those who seek to catalyze World War III. But I've been doing a little investigative reporting on my own. Believe it or not, when I go home, I don't just eat a Hot Pocket and take a nap. I submitted a FOIA request on InfoWars, a Freedom of Information Act request on InfoWars, and I received a very interesting response Last night in the mail, it was written on October 26th, Hillary Clinton's sacred birthday. Dear Mr. Geyser, it says, this acknowledges receipt of your Freedom of Information Act request to the FBI. The FOIPA request number listed above has been assigned to your request. Below, you will find information relevant to your request. Please read each paragraph carefully. You have requested records on one or more third-party individuals. Please be advised, the FBI will neither confirm nor deny the existence of such records pursuant to FOIA exemptions B6 and B7C, 5 USC, 552B6 and B7C. The mere acknowledgement of the existence of FBI records on third-party individuals could reasonably be expected to constitute an unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. This is our standard response to such requests and should not be taken to mean that records do or do not exist. As a result, your your request has been closed. And then, of course, they listed the subject here as Alex Jones at the top of the document. But there's actually something quite funny about this. I went back and I reviewed my request to make sure I didn't submit a FOIA request on Alex Jones. I submitted a FOIA request on InfoWars. And then they mischaracterized what the request was about so that they could close the case 
without sending back any details of their investigations or documents or records on their espionage of this network. So I sent them a request. It was about five bullet points asking for any information they had on InfoWars as a network, as a company. They said, oh, sorry, we can't tell you anything that we have about Alex Jones. So, of course, I'm going to appeal this and try to get more information. But I just thought it was so interesting that they endeavored to mischaracterize my request so that they could use that as an excuse not to share whatever information that they have. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris has been suggesting that AI-enabled mis- and disinformation is an existential threat to democracy. Of course, the funny thing being... Aren't intelligence operators responsible for mis- and disinformation? Haven't people been engaged in mis- and disinformation for centuries, if not millennia? Do we not already constantly face mis- and disinformation? And why is it that AI is suddenly an existential threat to democracy when we know that the intelligence community, that the deep state, has been actively against our constitutional republic for quite some time. Vice President and Artificial Intelligence Czar Kamala Harris, oh my God, they made her the AI czar? When did that happen? They railed against AI-enabled mis- and disinformation and pushed for protections against potential harm during a speech at the U.S. Embassy in London. I'm surprised that speech wasn't overrun with refugee protesters one day before she's due to represent the U.S. at the U.K.'s AI Safety Summit. President Biden and I believe that all leaders from government, civil society, and the private sector have a moral and ethical and societal duty to make sure that AI is adopted and advanced in a way that protects the public from potential harm and then ensures that everyone is able to enjoy its benefits. See, they saw what happened with DARPAnet. When it became the internet, they released it to the public thinking that it would be just this cool little communications tool, this cool little networking tool. They didn't realize that the people would actually build the internet based off of the infrastructure that they released. And they're learning from their mistakes because what happened was we had these massive social media platforms. We had massive growth of networks like this one, like InfoWars. And all of a sudden, freedom of speech and freedom of the press was taken to a whole new level, one that they couldn't readily control. And so they sought to help the big tech corporations monopolize, conglomerate into a few major corporations that ran the Internet. And they did so in an effort to ensure that they could control the narrative. So the Internet exploded. It grew rapidly over the course of 10 to 20 years, and then all of a sudden you had your Facebooks and your Googles and your YouTubes and your podcasters, alternative news sources. And so what they do, they saw that they sought to ensure these companies would go public so that their founders could make billions upon billions of dollars. And once they reached IPO status, that's when the intelligence company comes in because you have to have a board of directors when you take a company public. The CEO no longer runs his or her own company after it goes public because it has to be run by a board of directors in the name of protecting the interests of shareholders. Because you don't own your company anymore at that point. The public owns it via their investments in the stocks. 
And so when you have a board of directors being ushered in, that's the opportunity for the intelligence community to come out and say, all right, how are we going to infiltrate this board to get the information that we want, to plant the information that we want, to control the direction of these companies? And that's why we saw awesome platforms like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Google, some of the most groundbreaking, amazing platforms, some of the most amazing groundbreaking tools in the history of inventions or discoveries by mankind turn from these open source feeling, innovative, powerful weapons of mass information to state-sponsored, state-endorsed, state-controlled media outlets. Now they are controlling your search results. They're doing things like censoring presidential, presidential candidates, if not Donald Trump. They certainly did this to Tulsi Gabbard. They're doing things like taking people off of the platforms, accusing people of being domestic terrorists, monitoring people for their social media activity, adding them to lists. And they're going to use artificial intelligence to do the same thing. They are learning from their mistake of a free internet, which wasn't actually a mistake. It was a beautiful thing for humanity, but they perceive it as a mistake because they almost lost control of all information, a monopoly that they'd had forever. That's why they hate Elon Musk so much, because he reprivatized a public Twitter into what is now X. And even though it's not a perfect approach to freedom of speech, it is drastically improved from what it was to what it is. And they hate him so much, they're constantly suing him, whether they're not suing Twitter, they're suing him personally, whatever. They're coming after him to try to ensure that he doesn't have the control over his company that he rightfully does. They're trying to accuse him of anti-Semitism. He's got to be in a lawsuit against the ADL as a result of it because they want to make sure that they can control the narrative around anti-Semitism in the face of World War III, which is designed and planned to be started with this conflict between Israel and Hamas. And so with artificial intelligence, they see an Internet 2.0. They see the next round of a technology that's out of control that can empower the people against them. And so they're going to try to regulate it as much as possible while they use it in the abusive way that they claim they are trying to protect us from. We're going to cover more great news in the next segment. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and check out Ultra 12, which is 40% off at InfoWars Store. This is a product that I actually use every day. In a constant search to improve our formulas and give you the best for less, we found an all-new way to provide you with the B12 you need. Ultra 12 from InfoWars Life took the familiar secret 12 formula and singled out one powerful ingredient made with methocobalamin, <laughs> the most effective and expensive form of B12 available. Ultra 12 provides you with twice the B12. Because B12 is a necessary nutrient that isn't found in any vegetables, it can be difficult to attain. Instead of getting painful B12 injections or taking weaker formulas, you can support your energy production with the superior form of B12. Get Ultra 12 at 40% off on InfoWarsStore.com today. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side. Finally, Vitamin Mineral Fusion is back in stock and now available for 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com. This specially formulated drink mix gives your body the essential vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and other beneficial compounds that support optimum health. Vitamin Mineral Fusion goes above and beyond the standard of vitamins and trace minerals. 
Our exclusive formula is loaded with 34 key ingredients, including vitamin C, E, D, B12, calcium, magnesium, zinc, selenium, L-glutamine, CoQ10, alpha-lipoic acid, folic acid riboflavin, and much more. Aside from bolstering your bodily functions, this drink mix is naturally delicious. And unlike capsules and vitamin pills, it's truly a pleasure to the taste buds. So if you haven't already, mix it up and take your health to the next level with Vitamin Mineral Fusion today. Now 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com. Please uh, remember, we are listener supported and we've got something back in stock that everybody needs that is so good to have in your medicine cabinet sports broadcast. We've got the best 30 parts per million colloidal silver out there. It's Silver Bullet. It's at InfoWarsStore.com. And you want to support the show, plus have something in your medicine cabinet, have to give to others. It's topical. You can also take it orally. Uh, it is. It really does a lot of amazing things, anti-infection, you name it. Nothing's a silver bullet, but it's as close to a silver bullet as you're going to get. Silver bullet, back in stock, discounted, InfoWarsStore.com. And we also have Brain Force Ultra, the incredible fast-acting nootropic back in stock, 60% off part of the big sale, the new sale we've got. Immune support, organic, green fibers, 50% off. Those are both incredible. Vitamin D3 gummies, amazing. Infowarsstore.com or 888 You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. needs to do a mashup with this song with Paranoid. You know, you can hear it. It's so good. Right? It'd be so good. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I love me some Ozzy Osbourne. This was the first song that gave me goosebumps when I bought a CD on my portable CD player in, like, fifth grade. I remember listening to this and thinking, wow, this is so cool. It was a yellow Sony and every time the bus hit a bump in the road, it would skip. You guys remember the good old days? <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. So, so much going on. I don't even know where to begin. Let's go into U.S. infant mortality rates. So, definitely concerning. U.S. infant mortality rates are rising for the first time in 20 years. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, admitted Wednesday the infant mortality rate in America rose by 3% in 2022 for the first time in 20 years. We know it's not COVID as a virus that's causing this because if you look at any of the studies, any of the research, even that which is published by the government itself, we know that this illness doesn't negatively impact those under the age of 18, and it certainly doesn't negatively impact those who are infants. So don't allow them to make any claims about the pandemic causing an increase in infant mortality. This seems to me to be something else altogether. The first thing, of course, that comes to mind is women who are getting vaccinated in vitro or excuse me, in utero while they have the while they're pregnant and potentially the vaccination of infants themselves. So. CDC data shows the infant mortality rate increased for the first time in 20 years in 2022. Experts are baffled. Oh, what, what happened? 
This is the first we've seen this rate go up in about two decades. More deep dive and drill down will be needed to understand the reasons. There is a bigger picture here. So University of Maryland infant mortality researcher Mary Thomas told CBS News it's definitely concerning given that it's going in the opposite direction from what it has been. Yeah. The demographics seeing the largest increase in infant mortality rates were white Americans, Native Americans, all males, and babies born at 37 weeks or earlier. Interesting. Considering whites and Native Americans received the experimental COVID-19 vaccines at much higher rates than black or Hispanic Americans, the jab may have played a role in this disturbing trend, you think? Of course, doctors and other medical professionals tried sounding the alarm about potential links between COVID shots and maternal and infant health during the height of the pandemic, but were largely silenced by big tech sensors, otherwise known as deep state sensors and mainstream media information gatekeepers. Though I do dispute the characterization as mainstream, we have to start refer- stop referring to these outlets as mainstream. When was the last time you saw somebody throw a Wall Street Journal or a New York Times newspaper on somebody's front step? When was the last time you went over someone's house and they had either Fox or CNN on the TV? I'm convinced that the only place that major sort of mainstream legacy media outlets are even consumed is like the airport when you're sitting there and there's no other option. Or maybe if you're sitting at a doctor's office, I don't think anybody actually watches these platforms anymore or reads these articles anymore. I think we follow influencers that we trust. We listen to platforms like Infowars. We listen to platforms like podcasters. My wife and I, instead of watching Tucker like we would have on Fox when he was there, We pulled up the Theo Vaughn interview that he did. It was great and more informative and much more insightful and more in-depth. And it was longer and it was funny and it was entertaining and it was true. And it wasn't corporate narrative pumping. This is the future of the way that information is going to be consumed. And the funniest thing about it is the left realizes this and they try to ride the wave. They try to create their own podcast. Wasn't there like a Barack Obama podcast and there was a Michelle Obama one and there was a Hillary Clinton one? And nobody wants to listen because they can't turn off the fake narrative, the focus group soul that they have created, the clone of the human they once were that they have made to be politically correct. So when they go and they try to do the independent platform thing, they don't do it in the way... That is the reason that it's been so successful for other people. The reason Tucker has been so successful on this independent platform approach that he's made is because Tucker is able to be more Tucker, more real when he's independent than when he's working within the parameters of a major legacy corporation with shareholders and a board of directors. But when Hillary Clinton starts a podcast... She's just going to say all the same stuff that she could say on MSNBC or CNN because her narrative is the narrative. So when the left's like, oh, we don't understand why talk show, our talk show hosts don't take off. We don't understand why we haven't been successful on talk radio for the last 30 years. We don't understand why nobody listens to our podcast. It's because if they want to listen to that crap, they might as well just go to MSNBC or CNN. But then you have right-wingers that go independent, 
And I wouldn't call Joe Rogan a right winger, but he's not a leftist. So anybody who's not a leftist, I'm just going to refer to as a right winger for the sake of argument. Yeah, the Joe Rogans go independent. You have the Theo Vons go independent. You have the Tucker Carlson's go independent. You have the Alex Joneses go independent. He was maybe the first guy to really do it. And it's awesome because there are no rules. You can actually be yourself, and it takes off. I mean, Howard Stern was awesome when he was just on the radio, and then as soon as he sold out to XM, he became a corporate shill. What'd you say, Matt? Oh, I was going to say that uh, your initial question, you you know, what you're getting at here, uh, I think is answered really well in one of Noam Chomsky's essays, What Makes the Mainstream Media Mainstream. Mm. And uh, there's a paragraph, uh, a few paragraphs in. Um, where he starts talking about the mainstream media. He says, there's another sector of media, the elite media, sometimes called the agenda-setting media, because they're the ones with the big resources. Um, And, you know, when you look at the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, they've got resources that uh, definitely are disproportionate to the amount of influence they have in terms of readers, views, things that you look at, you know, in terms of metrics that you would judge any other outlet by, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of outlets that are downstream of them that are critiquing them and are deconstructing what they're saying um, actually have a bigger economy and tend to have larger spheres of influence. But Mm -hmm. if we were to go uh, else, or if we were to go on, uh, he states that they set the framework in which everyone else operates. And that right there is mm-hmm. is uh, the, the main reason why we still call them mainstream media, right? Mm. They're, they're the ones that typically get the news either from Reuters or from AP, right? Mm. And those are the two major uh, networks that employ a lot of freelancers and uh, have the resources to get stories, uh, put them out, and they adhere right. to, you know, a certain style guide that it, that's dictated by elites. We're talking wow. about the language they're allowed to I use see. So and if, everything it, like if that. If we're not actually consuming the information directly from them, they are characterizing the whole entire conversation. We're sitting here on InfoWars responding to what they say, so in a way they're the white right. in we're, the chessboard. We're pointing they're them out the first for move. all their BS. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Stick with us, guys. More on the other side. The most powerful InfoWars life formula yet. DNA Force Plus is now back in stock for 25% off while supplies last. This elite formula contains the most cutting-edge enzymes, potent antioxidants, and traditional naturally occurring ingredients to protect the vitality of your very DNA. The powerhouse ingredients in DNA Force Plus include PQQ, CoQ10, organic reishi mushroom, astrologus root, rhodiola root, and an array of even more incredible antioxidants and extracts carefully chosen to help support healthy heart function while promoting energy production down to the cellular level. Provide your cells and DNA with the protection they need and try a bottle of DNA Force Plus today for 25% off or for an additional 10% off grab the combo pack with DNA Force Plus and body's whole support. These offers and so much more are only available at InfoWarsStore.com InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. Tune into the American Journal, where Chase Geyser deciphers the heartbeat of a nation. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. 
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. Got a couple of great guests coming on the show today. Probably take some calls at some point, too. But more news to cover before then. Peloton's turnaround plan has faltered as anti-obesity drug craze soars. Peloton crowd basically has moved on to Ozempic. I don't know if you have heard the craze. I have heard the craze. I have friends and family who are participating in the craze. I'll probably have to intervene and do an intervention here soon. Because I'm hearing a lot of reports from the crew that this Ozempic craze isn't all it's cracked up to be. That's a headline right there. There's some major health risks associated with this, but let's go into this Peloton story. Shares of Peloton Interactive Incorporated tumbled in pre-market trading following a drop in revenue and ongoing difficulties in maintaining its subscriber base during the last quarter. It appears Chief Executive Barry McCarthy's turnaround plan is faltering as America's anti-obesity craze, courtesy of GLP-1-based weight loss drugs such as Wagovi and Monjaro, Made in Novo Nordisk and um, Eli Lilly is an easier weight loss solution than hopping on an overpriced bike with a giant iPad while being yelled at by an instructor for a 20-minute workout. You know, I have a Peloton. I got on it about half a dozen times since I bought it two years ago. <laughs> I actually really like it. But the problem with this Ozempic craze, in my opinion, is just aside from the negative health consequences of injecting your gut with something that makes you not eat, is that it doesn't allow you to develop the discipline and the character that you need in order to stay healthy. So many of these people, as soon as they get off of it, are just going to go back to their old habits and they're going to become obese again. I understand if you're somebody who's morbidly obese and your doctor's like, look, you're going to die if you don't do something about this and you tried and you just can't do it. Maybe you have an eating disorder or you have some sort of a psychological issue where you have to eat for comfort. I don't know. I understand if you need to do something radical in order to solve a radical problem. But if you're just trying to lose like 20 pounds and you're doing Ozempic instead of getting on a bike, it's like, come on, in my opinion. And the benefit of doing things like working out, something I'm obviously an expert in, is also the mental capacity thing of it, right? So I was a very competitive cross-country runner when I was in high school. I haven't been running since then because I have a bad ankle. But one of the things I missed the most about running was the psychological component of it. If you're going to go do a three-mile run, after about the first half mile, you enter a psychological zone of pure catharsis. It's similar to being on air or playing an instrument or playing in any sport where there's nothing else on your mind except for what you're experiencing right in any given moment. Like when I'm talking to you guys, I'm not thinking about my bills. I'm not thinking about taxes. I'm not thinking about arguments I'm having with my wife or problems like that or anything like that. I don't think about any problems that I have while I'm on air. So for three hours every day, I get to experience complete catharsis. Of course, I'm thinking about the problems of the world. And it's the same thing when you're engaged in a workout routine. It's why people who are in perfect shape continue to work out even if they could you know work out half as much because it's almost like a religious experience 
where for an hour to three hours every day, you hit a psychological stride that resets you in a healthy way. You develop the discipline of getting up earlier than you normally would in the morning in order to get your workout hammered out before the workday begins. And you teach yourself how to do things that you don't actually want to do anyway. And when you can go in and get a shot in your gut instead of developing the discipline to get on a bike or whatever, you're missing out on the character development, which you can never inject. There's never going to be a drug that makes you a better person, that makes you a smarter person. Maybe there are drugs that can make you operate like a smarter person. Of course, we have Brain Force Ultra, which isn't a drug, but it's a supplement that doesn't actually improve your intelligence, but it does help with things like focus and cognitive function. But you can't make yourself a better human being by consuming any external product. You can make yourself healthier, I suppose, but not better. But by doing something that requires character to improve your health, like exercise and work out, you've got so many more benefits beyond just the health benefits. My dad's a consultant. He was recently at a consulting event, sort of exclusive for a certain minimum level of success among consultants. And he said he noticed that he was one of two fat people there out of 50 people. He's like, I was like the only fat guy there, Chase. I was talking to him on the phone about it. And all these people who were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, millions of dollars a year in the private sector, The unknowns, not the ones that are corrupt, not the ones that are the elite, not the ones involved in big tech and all that BS, not the political industrial complex, but the people that are actually starting like HVAC businesses that started with just doing residential areas in small towns and now they've expanded to major cities and municipal projects. People like that typically are fit these days and it's because there is a correlation, there is a link between individual discipline that which is required in order to get yourself in good physical condition, and the success that you'll have in your life. And we can talk all day about how bad the economy is, and it is bad, folks, and it's going to get worse. We can talk about how bad inflation is, and it is bad, folks, and it's going to get worse. We can talk about bankruptcies being up and mortgage rates being 8% all day long. But the fact of the matter is the United States is still among the top three, if not the best place in the world to do business, and it's not really close. And so if people are finding ways, though it's a struggle, to be successful in places like England or Russia or Australia, despite all their regulation and their mixed economy, which is really just social, but they're finding a way to be successful entrepreneurs in Italy or Germany, then there's definitely a way to do it here in the United States. But in order to pull it off, you're going to have to reach another level of competence. If you want to be incompetent, then just run for office because obviously competence isn't correlated with success there, or at least it's the wrong kind of competence. But that's my concern about this Ozempic stuff. You know, maybe it wrecks your thyroid. Maybe it creates issues with your your, your gut-brain barrier that causes permanent brain damage. I'm hearing rumors of that. But the real problem with this Ozempic craze, in my opinion is that it is giving people a scapegoat, an excuse, another out, not to do the mental work required in order to become a better person. So you can manifest 
a body for yourself that is not overweight with a drug, but inside you're still a fat guy, you know? Which I have no problem with. Everybody's got their own ailments. If you were to look at my lungs, you'd probably see black tar. Everybody's got their different thorn in their side. I'm not judging people who are fat. But I'm just saying, if you don't do the work to fix the character problem that's causing the problem, then you're not really overcoming the issue. I mean, they've made drugs for alcoholism, for example, where you take the drug. If you have a drink, you're just going to puke all day. But it's not solving the reasons why a person is an alcoholic. And so when they stop taking the drug, they just start drinking again. Those drugs are really only useful if you're trying to go through the withdrawal period, which is actually a pretty short-lived for most drugs. It can be really painful for a few days or a week or two weeks. After that, it's all mental. No drug can solve your character problem. No drug can erase original sin. No drug can fix evil. You're just going to have to do that on your own with your own conviction and your God. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and look at some of the supplements that we have that can help you on your journey to making yourself a better person. We can't solve all of your problems, but we can give you the tools you need to do the work you need to do to become the best version of yourself. Visit InfoWarsStore.com today. Check out Rainforce Ultra at 60% off. Some of our other great products at 40% off. These are top-selling products at the lowest prices ever for you to enjoy and experience. Be the reason we're selling here at InfoWarsStore.com. More on the other side. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening Defeating the Globalists and Launching the Next Great Renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War for the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send it to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the InfoWar. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support. This is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man. But I'm not just a man. Just like you. No matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser. Talk about how Peloton is losing money because why get on a bike when you can just get a shot? Americans love their drugs. I remember when the drugs Americans loved were the cool ones. I remember when Americans liked to smoke a little weed, liked to do a little cocaine, try to make a little bit of money. I like to try acid, see another dimension. Now the drugs we take are like, hey, I don't want to be fat anymore. What happened to the spirit of the 60s, the liberation of the mind? Oh, yeah, that's right. It got MK Ultra'd. Right. The government ruins everything. So more on this Ozempic craze. Healthline reports that Ozempic is making life miserable for some people. Why some people are claiming life on Ozempic is miserable. Well, drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi can help people lose weight. They can also alter the way food tastes and even impact your ability to derive pleasure from activities you enjoy. The potential to make life boring and miserable may be an unwelcome side effect of drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi. I just loved eating food. It was so much fun. Now I'm not hungry anymore. I'm miserable. (laughs) The medication could alter the way food tastes and may even impact your ability to derive pleasure from activities you enjoy. The side effect has the potential to damage your relationship with food in the long term. <laughs> These articles are so, they're just so informed from critical theory. Like you, you can almost just see the bleeding Marxist influence. Experts say you should consider the long-term impact before choosing any medication as a weight loss tool or be, before choosing any vaccine, in my opinion. I don't want to say anything about that. Fox News reports that Ozempic and Wilgovi may be linked to stomach paralysis and other digestive issues in a large-scale study. Those taking diabetes and weight loss meds are three times more likely to have condition. Researchers claim Novo Nordisk said patient safety is top priority. They always say patient safety is top, top priority, and then you find out that you know their blood products gave you AIDS or their ADD medication gave you depression or suicidal thoughts or their SSRIs actually made you not only want to kill yourself but kill a group of other random innocent people first. Popular weight loss drugs like Wagovi and Ozempic could increase the risk of stomach paralysis. I don't know what stomach paralysis even is, so hopefully this article actually shows us. But I can't imagine, oh, I'm paralyzed from the stomach in. (laughs) As well as several other serious gastrointestinal conditions, according to a study published Thursday in JAMA. This was the first large epidemiological disease-related study to examine these adverse effects in non-diabetic patients using the drug specifically for weight loss per a mass release from the University of British Columbia. The risk was linked to all semaglutides, a class of medications known as GLP-1 receptor agonists, including Ozempic, which was, of course, originally prescribed for diabetes management and Wagovi prescribed for weight loss and a couple others. Stomach paralysis, officially known as gastroparesis, prevents the nerves and muscles in the stomach from moving food into the small intestine, which keeps digestion from occurring, as described on Cleveland Clinic's website. Okay. Popular weight loss drugs like Wagovi and Ozempic could increase the risk of stomach paralysis as well as several other serious gastrointestinal conditions, according to a study. In addition to stomach paralysis, the drugs were linked to a greater risk of pancreatitis, that's inflammation of the pancreas, and bowel obstruction, which prevents food from passing through the small, large intestine. I start. So, yeah, we know because <laughs> you're swearing on air. Oh, sorry. I apologize. I didn't know the S word still counted as a swear word. Everything else has become okay over the last 20 years. 
Except for saying the S word while we broadcast on. It's okay. We'll just blame radio. it on the Ozempic. Blame it on the Ozempic, man. That's why I'm so skinny. I'm skinny fat. So I want to go into a little bit on this new sort of big brother thing. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago, these teens that murdered this Uber Eats driver? We're going to go ahead and run clip six and then talk about that a little bit. It's shocking video of a carjacking as it happens. The victim is an Uber Eats driver and he's hanging on to his car for dear life as it speeds away. Done. So that was an Uber Eats driver. A couple of teenagers got in his car and they tried to force him out of the car, but he tried to stay in his car so it wouldn't be stolen. And at some point in the exchange, one of the students hit the gas on the car while the door was open as they were trying to force him out while he was holding on to the inside of the car. They took off and the open door smashed into like a barrier off the road and it slammed into his head, killing him, I think, instantly or very soon after there. So the 14-year-old and the 15-year-old will not be released from juvenile detention until they turn 21, a D.C. Superior Court spokesman said. So they were tried as children and basically sentenced to juvenile detention until the age of 21 after they murdered that guy after trying to steal his car, which some don't think is enough of a sentence for that crime. Obviously, it's a hard decision when determining whether or not to try someone as a child or as an adult, especially when they're several years under what we consider adult. But I'm pretty sure that that 14-year-old and that 15-year-old knew exactly what they were doing. They knew how dangerous it was, and they did it anyway. I'm not sure that seven or six years in juvenile detention will develop in them a conscience. So while they're getting a little bit of juvenile detention, basically permanent violence summer camp until the age of adulthood, we see today that the D.C. mayor has implemented a big brother digital vehicle tracking program amid rising car thefts. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and the Metropolitan Police Department unveiled a new taxpayer-funded program that uses digital tracking tags to find stolen cars more easily. This comes as Bowser's failed progressive defund the police policies have sparked a crime tsunami across the nation's capital. On Wednesday morning, Bowser's office stated that tracking tags will be available to residents who live in areas with the greatest increase in vehicle theft. MPD will install the device in vehicles, allowing them to track stolen cars via a mobile device easily. Of course, most new cars today already have that sort of tracking technology. This year, the nation's capital has recorded a surge in violent crimes. Metro Police Department crime stats show vehicle thefts have soared 101% this year. That's over double. With a total of 5,916 in 2023. That is so many. Especially since so many of the cars today, it's stupid to steal them because they can be shut down or tracked. This is up from the 2942 car thefts in 2022 also homicides hit the highest level in two decades in the first six months not even government officials are safe several lawmakers and staffers have been robbed here's the quote from bowser last week we introduced legislation to address recent crime trends this week we are equipping residents with technology that will allow mpd to address these crimes recover vehicles and hold people accountable Bowser continued, we have had success with similar programs where we make it easier for the community and MPD to work together from our private security camera incentive program to the wheel lock distribution program. And we will continue to use all the tools we have and add new tools to keep our city safe. So 
Just another excuse to increase surveillance. Anytime anything bad happens, the government always seems to find a way to use it as an excuse to usher in new tracking, surveillance, abuses of our liberties. I would like to see them catalyze a society in which people do not, do not even feel compelled to commit crimes. But by doing that, they would have to acknowledge that their Marxist critical theory philosophy is not conducive to a society of peaceful progress or productivity or success or class transition. They have to lean in and double down on all of the ails that have made our society come to this place of struggle and strife. We see that the policies manifest in the likes of San Francisco have resulted in basically a zombie apocalypse where one can walk around after the sun goes down and see an army of ragged mutants drooling and wandering slowly as they nod off from an opioid epidemic of imported fentanyl and other drugs. And if you want to ruin your life and take fentanyl and do drugs, I don't care, whatever. But when our society actually catalyzes it by the terrible decisions it makes, when we import lethal poison from our enemies at a profit both to our pharmaceutical companies and to the CHICOMs, and then we totally disregard the needs or weaknesses or vulnerabilities of our people, and then when those people struggle, when we use it as an excuse to increase taxes on those making ends meet, but just barely, as an excuse to criticize those who are patriots of xenophobia, those who believe in the West with racism, those who believe in God with bigotry, then we've got a problem that isn't really sustainable. And they're trying to expand this philosophy from places like Los Angeles and San Francisco to the whole world. It was what Twitter was doing before Elon Musk took it. It's one of the reasons why he claimed on Elon on Joe Rogan's podcast he made the decision to purchase it. We're going to cover some more news in the next segment. Make sure you stick with us, folks, and visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason we're still on the air. More great stuff coming over the next two hours this morning before the great Alex Jones is live on the Alex Jones Show at 11 a.m. Central. Naturally sourced from the finest hemp plants in America, Rebel Zen offers the absolute finest quality CBD available and at the lowest prices. Extracted using a cold-pressed technique to retain the molecular integrity of the cannabinoids and terpenes within the plant, this full-spectrum formula ensures that your nervous system gets the full benefits of CBD. Premium quality organic CBD like Rebel Zen has been shown to naturally reduce anxiety, relieve pain, and decrease inflammation. People have reported a reduction in symptoms of insomnia, arthritis, seizures, chronic pain, and epilepsy. Several studies have shown it helps to reduce cortisol, increase serotonin, and boost vitality. Order yours today at InfoWarsStore.com. The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video.
climate denier, racist, Nazi, and anti-Semitism are words that have been exhaustively misused to psychologically beat people into a submission of shame. It is a human control technology that works on many people. When you point out the facts which expose the man-made global warming theory as a hoax, you are called a climate denier or a science denier. We are expected to trust the science even if it doesn't scientifically add up. The group mind has been conditioned to look down upon those who question the official narrative. And the word denier or denial has been made into a curse. This deceptive wordplay, along with the term hate speech, both stem from the Holocaust denial trials of the 1980s. In 1983, the founder of the Canadian Holocaust Remembrance Association, who was a Holocaust survivor, filed a private complaint against German-born citizen Ernst Zundel before the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal. In 1984, the Ontario government joined the criminal proceedings and Zundel was charged of spreading false news by publishing the book, Did Six Million Really Die? The Truth at Last. He was not making claims that the Holocaust did not happen, just that it did not happen as we were told. The main argument was simply challenging the number six million. Many others have worked out the math and concluded that six million would have been impossible based on multiple logistical factors. The charge against Zundel alleged that he knowingly published a false statement intended to stoke racial intolerance. He was found guilty by two juries, but was acquitted by the Supreme Court of Canada in 1992, who ruled it was a violation of the guarantee of freedom of expression under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But in 1995, Ewald Althens got three and a half years imprisonment in Germany for asking the same question. From a logical perspective, discussing observable reality should not be so emotionally offensive. But Zundel was a fan of Hitler and was surrounded by extreme neo-Nazis, so there was no sympathy for his persecution. And the term Holocaust denier became the absolute worst thing anyone could be charged with. Zundel left Canada and moved to the United States. In 2003, Germany issued a warrant for his arrest. U.S. authorities arrested him for violating immigration rules and deported him to Canada, where he was tried, found guilty, and given the maximum sentence of five years in prison for violating the Volkswehr-Hetzung law in the German Penal Code, which bans incitement of hatred. This quickly evolved into the term hate speech, and those paying attention could see that this would soon be used against anyone the government wanted to silence. The Zionist government, who funds and operates Hamas under the Mossad maxim, by way of deception, thou shalt do war, is openly calling for genocide of all Palestinian people under the banner of their God. Are we still bad people for asking logical questions based on observable facts? The number 6 million has been ritually used by Zionists since their official beginning in the late 1800s, decades before the Holocaust. It obviously means something. 6 million is a 6 followed by 6 zeros, and so it can represent 66. 66 is also two-thirds. The Hebrew prophet Zechariah wrote that two-thirds of the nation of Israel will be cut off and die. 
Many believers of biblical prophecy believe that this mass blood sacrifice is necessary in order for their Messiah to return. The Zionists seem to be no friend of the Jewish people, but by simply showing this information, many of you are triggered into thinking that I am an anti-Semite, a racist, or even a Nazi. And yet all I am doing is reporting on the unbiased scientific inquiry that people have had for decades in the pursuit of truth. Mind control is a real threat, and we are all affected. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Chase Geyser presents the American Journal, capturing the spirit of the times on InfoWars. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host today. And for the next 30 minutes or so, we are going to have an awesome guest with us, Ian Crossland. He's a TinCast co-host and a musician, co-founder of Minds.com, a platform that we at InfoWars proudly and happily use every day for all of our hosts and our network. I highly recommend that you check him out. Follow him on X.com at Ian Crossland. Ian, it is an honor and a pleasure to be with you again, man. How are you doing? Oh, awesome, dude. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. I don't know if you remember, but I had you on my podcast a couple of years ago. We had a great chat. And uh, How could I forget, dude? <laughs> and are you going to be in uh are you going to be in the studio on Monday? I'm going to be on Timcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to finally get to meet yes. in person, dude. Excellent. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was checked my schedule. Our schedule had been mislabeled. I thought you had already been here, so this is great. Oh yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully um I, I wasn't supposed to be there <laughs> another day. No, I got the uh, flight information from you guys. Uh, I'm really excited to come out and meet you. Yeah, for sure, dude. It's going to be hot. So um, you're one of my favorite voices on the internet because you take such a kind and macro approach to how you frame things. Like Sometimes I see your tweets at 2 in the morning, and it's so prescient in the zeitgeist and there aren't a lot of voices that are hyper zeitgeist, spirit of the times. Everybody's really specific, and especially in like the political space about why this policy is hypocritical or what this person did seven years ago with this, this company and this contract. And we, for, we, we get lost in the, the details of what's going on that we often don't take that sort of 30,000-foot view and see sort of like the state of humanity's soul. And I feel like you do a really good job of capturing that. I tend to think in patterns. I think that's why, like I see shapes and patterns when I'm considering ideas and behaviors. And I, like, I, I often, if I see somebody doing something, I I'm immediately concerned with why they're doing it. And I'm thinking of the contingencies, like what would have caused that behavior? Could it be, I'm thinking about their childhood. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about what, and this is, translates all across the board. It translates to video games. When I'm playing them, I'm thinking about the next move and the next 60 possible moves. And how did this how other ways could I have gotten to where I'm at for future games when I'm replaying the game? Mm -hmm. So in politics, it's nice because I can depersonalize and I don't take as much personally. I can kind of see the, the pattern of behavior. They say like, oh, violence and hate and corruption erupts and then there's a revolution and the new revolutionaries take over and then they become violent and hateful and then another revolution comes up to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't want that to happen again. Yeah. So let me frame this question to you this way. Imagine I was a nine-year-old kid and I asked you whether or not everything's going to be okay in America. How would you respond to that? Define okay. Man, Dude. I'm nine. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, things are going to be up and down. Yeah. But you can make the best of your life. Yeah. So do you think that 
because I don't know if it was like this for you, but when I was growing up, and I, I'm sort of assuming that this was sort of the zeitgeist for everyone. There was this major push, like you can be whatever you want, follow your dreams. I've been watching a lot of old Disney movies with my two and a half year old daughter, and there's definitely an emphasis in the old stuff, like the Cinderellas and the Snow Whites and things. Of just never giving up on your dream; anything's possible as long as you believe in it. Do you think that's still true, or is that dream becoming more and more difficult or less and less possible? Well, um, it's not always going to look like the way you envision it, mm. but it, you have to believe it will become real. And then you have to be diligent and work towards it. it, it doesn't, things don't just happen. You've got to sacrifice. Like For me, I sacrifice eating sweet foods. I cut sugar out of my diet. You I couldn't just be do a singer. I kept... No, I, I decided to bypass it. Uh, gastro, uh, yeah, no, no, no. and um, it's a like I, I my diet is like it's like a science now. I can't, I don't enjoy cake. I don't eat cheat. I like, I like sugar. I like, I guess like is kind of a vague term, but I've had to sacrifice that aspect of my life eating sugar in order to pursue a career in music, for instance. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of uh, achieving your your goals and your dreams requires immense concentration and um. I said it before diligence, but like, uh, just consistent work. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So have you noticed any other differences since you cut sugar other than just your performance getting better? Yeah. My cuts heal faster. They don't swell. Like, uh, sugar seems to, yeah. Like a lot of, I have a bleeding disorder. I noticed that when I did the keto diet, I stopped bruising. Man, I stopped getting allergies. I used to be real allergic to pollen. I was Mm -hmm. told. And then I want to cut the sugar out. I can breathe in the pollen. I can feel it kind of tickling, but when I drink water, it feels fine. I, I don't get the sneezes anymore because it was wow. the swelling from the sugar. It's the sugar, you know, cuts, there's no more swelling in the cuts. The skin heals rapidly. I love it. There's probably other great things that have come out of it too. What do you like, think? I don't have a sugar addiction anymore. Yeah. What do you think is worse for you? Smoking a pack of cigarettes a day or eating as much sugar as you want every day? Sugar. Well, that's tough. Probably <laughs> sugar. And I bet together combined, it's extremely like synergistically dangerous. For sure. For sure. That is, that is, that is so crazy. One thing I noticed too, when I did the keto diet, I I have floaters in my eyes, right? So if I look quickly one direction, I can just see all this crap fly across my, my, my field of vision. Have you ever had that or noticed that when you cut sugar that that goes away? Um, I didn't notice it with the sugar going away, but I, I do know the floaters. And one thing that melts those is sun gazing. If you've ever done that before, just staring um, at when the, the sun? sun is not really staring. It's when the sun is the easiest way to do is when it's low to the horizon and you turn your face towards it and you let it into your eye. Don't focus on it, but you just kind of let it wash over the back of your eye or mm-hmm. the retina. feels like your eye is like working out, but you'll notice it'll melt the floaty stuff. Really? How did you figure that out? I just happened one day. I was sun gazing and <laughs> I realized they were disappearing in my eye. Wow, that is amazing, man. So how many years have you been co-hosting Timcast now? It seems like you've been on a minute. Probably, probably four. Before we go to that, I want to specify about sugar. Yeah. I think that word sugar gets misused because glucose is sugar and you need glucose to survive. Yeah, that's the danger is this aspartame, high fructose, all these weird new sugars. That's a big part of it. So so just saying sugar is kind of vague and that's been sure. people keep reminding me about that. But anyway, to answer your question, about four years, I think. Yeah, four on years. How's it going? You love it? Three, four years. I love it. It can be stressful, but I just was like, I just took a, a few weeks in Miami to kind of clear my head. And a lot of this stuff that's happening in the Middle East was like, oh, it's so overwhelming to watch this yeah. stuff and talk about it and think about it. But then I, I was doing tactical training with Luke Rudkowski from We Are Change. Mm-hmm. And it was like, 
you know, I don't want to walk around being afraid of people. And I realized doing the tactical training, I don't, it's like, I don't have to think about being afraid anymore because I don't think about it anymore. It's just, I, I'm like integrating the abilities into me so I can react in the situation. And it's kind of like a, um, it's like a, it's like calming that I, that yeah. I've done the the training. And it's kind of the same way with being on IRL. It's like knowing all this stuff and seeing it is stressful, but once it's in there, I don't have to worry about it as much because I can kind of, it's already integrated into my reactive skills. Yeah, absolutely. So the stress you mentioned is, is more pertaining to just sort of burying your head in the weeds of current events and just yeah. kind of consuming how bad things are exclusively. And <laughs> right. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Burying the head is the way, but also overindulgence causes a lot of stress. So I've had to like look away from some of the, the graphic stuff. Cause sure. firstly, I don't know if it's from this war or from another war. Mm-hmm. And I also don't know if it's artificial intelligence or if it's mm-hmm. propaganda of some sort. So I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to write it into my brain code right away. I don't know. It's a mixed bag. Like, do you witness the horror? Do you allow your brain to be subject to it? Or do you protect yourself from it without burying your head in the sand? And I guess it's like, this is just the most stressful stuff about this kind of job. For the most part, it's really, really fun. Like last night I was talking to Tim. I'm like, I mean, and thinking like if I retired, I w- what what I do in my life, I would do this. I'd do the same thing I'm doing now. Like, I love it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it about witnessing all this horrific graphic yeah. imagery and stuff? So I've noticed that if I get a little too entrenched, I need to just take a break for a few days. So I don't really look at the news at all over the weekend. And I know the weekend is traditionally a slower news cycle. But I come in on Monday morning to get ready for the show, hopefully on time. <laughs> and that's me looking at the news for the first time since Friday. And that really helps. Also making sure that you do fun stuff that, that you enjoy. One of the, one of the things that, you know, I was watching the Alex Jones show yesterday and he's got so much going on. He's got so much stress. I just was thinking to myself, I wish that guy could just like go relax and have fun and, and have a, have a beer with his buddies or something. Like, I hope he does stuff like that. I don't know him well enough to say whether he does or not because it's so important to unwind. And when you're fighting a war, whether it's a real war or an info war, it's so important not to forget what you're fighting for. That's why we have leave for soldiers in combat. They can go away for a couple of weeks and then come back to the front. We'll talk more about that in the next segment. We're cutting a break right now. Make sure you guys visit infowarsstore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers, they really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when we look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself, the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. And I want to encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com and you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsStore.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. 
the surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. the American Journal, folks. We have a great guest with us for this segment. Another guest coming up in the second half of the hour as well. Ian Crossland is a musician, co-founder of Minds.com, and your favorite co-host of TimCast. Highly recommend that you check him out on all things social media. Make sure you tune in to TimCast next Monday. I will be on the air in person. Looking forward to that. So, Ian, we got off uh, at the end of the last segment talking about I don't know, just sort of balancing being entrenched in current events and how corrupt and sad and violent the world is with uh, remembering what you're fighting for. Did that resonate at all with you? Yeah, I, I've been praying a lot. I'm kind of like, what do I do? Because before I was like, how can I help prevent the next war? And maybe we'll never do war again. Like that really, I really grew up with that. When I saw the Berlin Wall come down and my dad was like, it was just this feeling of like, we did it. We finally did it. You know, this, mm-hmm. this hundred year Cold War thing is, but it's like war versus the communist revolution of the Soviets from 1917 versus the American, the liberal economic order. It's been going on for like 100 years. And it's like it was cold for a while. It was hot. Now it was Russia was involved. It's, it's exploded into other. But anyway, can I prevent it? And now I'm starting to wonder, like, maybe it's just it's all planned out, man. Maybe this is we're all just part of some grand story. And all you can really do is your best and like document and give like a roadmap of how to be a better person for when people rebuild. and. I, I know that our voices are heard, like the Syria, the war and the war that never happened in Syria was because people, the outcry, people were refusing to partake. They let Obama know and they were like, all right, the people are going to riot if we do this. So we're not going to do it. So there is that and we can change it. But also, you know, it, it can be overwhelming to think like, how, why, aren't, why aren't I doing enough? Why isn't it working? And, and now I'm just trying to like, you know, give my best op- chance at wisdom and, and like observation and. I feel a little better. And the prayer, you know, it, it helps. I actually will think words instead of say them. I'll think like, how, what right. can I, God, what can I do? And, and I'll get an image of me, you know, running or working out or he, God told me to climb a mountain. I was like, what should I do? It said, climb a mountain. I, I prayed to Jesus once because uh, you can like pray to like visages of God, like the mm-hmm. image of whatever you think it is through. And it was like, go surfing. So it's like, get healthy, you know, get out there, experience nature. I think it's something maybe a lot of people can do. It's personal for everybody, but that was the advice I was getting. 
Man, that's awesome. Pray to Jesus and he told you to go surfing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, go surfing. I heard his, his voice sounded cool too. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's got that yeah. like that echo, just go surfing, surfing, surfing. Yeah, very clear. It was powerful, like very like almost like not hollow, but like, oh, you know, you got to. <laughs> you got to surf now. It like, it's like what I think Jesus would have sounded like, I think. Yeah, yeah. So when you say that we're part of a like a big, like there's this big plan going on. Are you referring to like God's plan or are you referring to a new world order globalist sort of conspiracy type plan? Literally God's plan. That's what Mm. I was considering that this whole like time thing, this is really no time. It's like there's things are in motion constantly. So humans built this concept of time to kind of coordinate motion, but like it's just happening. And like, I mean, there, I can't imagine that the globalist banking system, what I mean by that is the liberal economic order banking system based out of Switzerland from the Bank of International Settlements mm-hmm. that's tied to that, like kind of oversees the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the Bank of Australia, that they would want a nuclear holocaust. I don't think they want to annihilate the surface of Earth again, like 12,800 years ago after the, the great flood that wiped out Atlantis, like that reset things. And maybe it mm-hmm. did make a few people very, very wealthy and powerful, those that maintain the knowledge of irrigation and and data like mathematics and maybe they still had the, the secrets of electricity because you hear about like zeus who could throw lightning yeah mm-hmm. that dude had electricity and yeah. like some of the people in the bible like lucifer was the light bringer like did they have electricity god's angels had swords of flaming fire did they have blow torches like this old tech i feel like was preserved somehow and i i can't but i just don't think that these bankers and I, maybe they're more than just bankers but that they would want a nuclear holocaust that doesn't make sense right. so Maybe it's more of just like a, a localized land grab and people want control of the region and um, the bankers are like, oh, crap. Uh, but maybe they all live in underground bunkers and they're like, yo, we're going to reduce the population by 85 percent. This is going to heal the earth. Maybe. But yeah. uh, more more on that, I'm, I'm starting to believe that maybe there is some sort of grander plan and we're just playing. A, we're, we're part of it. Mm, like and I'm talking about like, like cosmic. Right. Yeah. So do you think that this is the the first time that society has ever been this technologically advanced, or do you think that we've been here at least once before? If I had to guess, I would say this is the most advanced it's ever been. But I do think that before the flood, before the, at the end of the younger Dryas, there's mm-hmm. evidence that comets exploded over North America, peppered the North American glacial continent, caused a catastrophic global flood, right. wiped out all the megafauna in North America, smeared sand up into Africa. If you look at like from Google maps, you can see the smear coming off into the West the West that uh, they had, I think they had electricity and radio even maybe, mm. or that they were able to, because they circumnavigated the globe. They had that statue of Atlas carrying the earth on his shoulder, Atlas, the King of Atlantis. Mm. Um, they have, you see pyramids all over earth, this ancient technology, like the pyramids, how they cut these rocks, but it's like the really old stuff is like really well designed and cut that technology we can't explain. And then you find technology like the Baghdad battery, where they have these clay pots, filled with a vinegar or an acidic substance with an iron rod wrapped with copper wire to create an electrical charge, ancient mm-hmm. electricity. Yeah. I think the pyramids, um, I think the pyramids were used in sort of like a Tesla, Nikola Tesla way to wirelessly light up the city at night. I think that they were, it was just sh- projecting electricity that was static that way. Yeah. They were probably really well lit and they yeah. had, they were capped with gold, which is a superconductor. Right. The King's chamber inside the great pyramid is made of like this. I think it's basalt maybe. Or is it? I don't know. I know that they're made from limestone, though. And limestone is a good conductor too, right? The the pyramids limestone, but the king's chamber is granite, I right. think, and it's ancient. I think that was from the ancient culture. 
and that these these Egyptians came and they buried it with this uh, the old the old ways. Let's cover it up. I don't yeah. know. I've kind of yeah. that's a bit of a well. I, yeah, I, I think the, the pyramids are much older than than the Egyptians. I think the Egyptians found them. I think they were probably constructed before the Younger Dryas issue. Just based on the Egyptians at, certainly defaced the Sphinx. Yes, the Sphinx too, has it. all that water erosion and there hasn't been rain there for like 10,000 years or something like that. So it doesn't make sense that it would have that water erosion. And they found it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently well, I don't want to talk about it, but I've been writing script like I, I love Atlantis and I love the yeah. idea of ancient technology that they had like Tesla tech. That, I don't know, man, maybe they caused the comet to explode over North America and and it accidentally wiped out the surface. It's just tough to tell. You know Randall Carlson, right? You guys have had him on the show. No, we've never had him on IRL, and I would love to. Oh. And I do know who he is. I just saw an interview with him. Did you see from like four months, three week, four weeks ago, where they're talking about this plas- um, plasma technology? Yes. Where they're like, oh, dude. Energy. Yeah, I don't crazy. even want to begin to. Yeah, you have to ask Randall big... Carlson about what happened to humanity around the Younger Dryas thing. He might tell you in person. I don't think he likes to talk about it on air, but I think you would be very fascinated to have a conversation with that. I actually don't know him. I just know someone who knows him. Uh, oh, put me in touch. Yeah, I'll see what I'll see what I can do for sure. But um, uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Fascinating guy. Where can people find you and follow you and engage with with your voice? At Ian Crossland, anywhere on the internet, hit me up. Uh, X is a really good platform. I, I'm really uh, interactive there, and uh, I do spaces on X. So I think X right now is the best. You can hit me up on Minds too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Minds. Com. Um, well, yeah, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for popping in for a couple of segments. I know that you're a late night person, and that this would constitute early for you. So I appreciate you getting out of bed and coming to talk to us. I'll meet you next week. I'll, I'm looking very much forward to it. In the meantime, folks, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. And check out our awesome deals. we got BrainForce Ultra at 60% off. It's one of my favorite products. Be the reason we're still on the air. And don't think of it as an expense. It's not. It's an investment in yourself. Be sharper, better, faster, stronger. Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, We give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We have a very special guest up with us for the remainder of the hour today and more news in the third hour. And we'll be taking your calls probably at the end of the hour as well. Michael Seifert is the CEO of Public Square, which is a marketplace app you can use to easily shop with brands that share your values and at the same time support local and American-owned businesses. 
Check out Michael on X at Real Michael Seif. That's S E I F. And his website is publicsquare.com. Michael, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the American Journal this morning. How are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got it worked out, man. Sometimes it's hard to get that first date in the books, but we're together. (laughs) It's good to be. I'm a big fan of your show, and uh, it's been a wild ride the past few weeks. I'm glad we got this in, too. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the story of Public Square. What inspired you to get involved in this project? Well, for a decade, I've watched as corporate America has been swallowed up by globalists and progressive authoritarians that have zero regard for the values that tens of millions of Americans still hold dear. They call those values antiquated. And when I say values, I mean a love for country, the Constitution, the values that it protects. These things are seen as outdated to the globalists in society. They want to replace them, and they utilize corporate America to help them do that. Mm -hmm. So- What would happen is that we'd have a company that we knew and trusted and loved and some classic American brand, and then all of a sudden they would embrace progressive virtue signaling. They would cancel Americans. They'd censor you. They'd silence you. They'd close your bank accounts. And then we're left wondering where the heck can we go for services that will refuse to act in such a manner. So finally, COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back for us. Watching the government's response to COVID how businesses actually became agents of the state in canceling people if they did not get the vaccine or the mask mandates. Uh, That drove us insane. And so we decided to uh, finally create a solution that would allow us to push back. And so we actually put a list on a piece of paper of 22, 23 businesses in our local community of San Diego, California, that we knew respected our liberties. They were not going to trample upon our rights. They loved the country. This constitution and the values that it protects, so we felt proud of supporting them. Then I started sharing that list with a few friends, discovered that they actually would love that sort of list for their own community, and we thought, well, what if we bring this into a digital environment and businesses could actually join the list by affirming the principles of the list? Mm. We could create a pretty neat online interactive community that would help patriots vote their values uh, with the power of their wallet. And uh, that was about Almost three years ago now that I originally had that idea, that was January of 2021. Today, we are the world's largest marketplace of anti-communist, anti-woke, anti-tyrant businesses. Uh, These are businesses that make our communities special. uh, And we have over 70,000 vendors on our platform now that have all been vetted in alignment with our core values of the platform. We have over 1.6 million consumer members on the platform as well. And uh, it continues to grow at a tremendous speed because Americans are hungry to not just boycott, but also move their money somewhere positive that they can feel proud of supporting. It's pretty cool. So was this your first entrepreneurial venture or do you have a background in this sort of thing? I've always loved coming up with ideas and building things, Uh, built a nonprofit to a fairly significant scale. Uh, Before this, I was also the marketing director for a private equity group that would actually empower small businesses to continue growing in in the San Diego County area. And so had a lot of exposure growing gun stores and plumbing companies and an amusement park. And so learning how to uh, speak the language of small businesses and help them increase their footprint in their local community was what I was doing before this. So this kind of made a lot of sense. And uh, it's been amazing to witness now the way in which the parallel patriotic economy is growing in force uh, because it's not just me or not just our team, but it's 70,000 other entrepreneurs that are actually putting their values out there and saying, if you are tired of Bud Light, if you're tired of Target, if you're tired of these authoritarians enforcing their DEI and ESG agenda on you, you have other options. And we're here to present the largest compilation of other options that have ever existed. 
So tell me a little bit about how the app works from a consumer basis. Do you have to download the app, or can you just go to the website? Just tell me a little bit about the model of what it's like to use this platform. So if you go to publicsquare.com, so if you head to publicsquare.com, you will see that you can actually enjoy the entire experience without ever having to download the app. We didn't want to rely on the app stores, so we actually have really pressed in and built a fantastic web experience. We do have a presence on the App Store or Google Play as well, so if you'd like to download the app, you can. Uh, you can search Public Square, and you'll see the first thing that pops up for you, America's Marketplace there on iOS or Android. Uh, and that's awesome. We love that experience for folks. We have about 50 in terms of usage on the desktop versus on the apps. Uh, and it's very simple. It's free to sign up. You do not have to pay anything. There's no premium option that we try to get you into. It's totally free for the consumer. For the business, it's free as well. You can sign up your business. You get vetted by a research team that's happy to partner with you uh, throughout that process. We generally have about a 24-hour turnaround time if a business joins the platform at publicsquare.com. And then you're live on the platform to enjoy connecting with consumers or businesses that share your values and would love to support you. We make money uh, in, in a few primary ways. Number one is we sell subscription advertising packages. Mm -hmm. So this is not where we have to sell consumer data in order to make money. That's not how this works. Businesses will basically pay for features. So you can pay for a push notification to be sent to users. You can pay mm -hmm. for featured tiles, different parts of the experience. Uh, we also have the ability to share in transaction rates. So if transactions are conducted through the platform, we take a success fee on that. And then finally, some of these brands we actually own. So, for example, where we see there are holes in the market and there's a need for values-aligned brands, we can actually create those brands and bring them to market. So this is kind of random, but uh, there's a brand on our platform called Every Life. Every Life exists as the only pro-life, pro-family baby care brand in the world. It's the only pro-life diaper company, believe it or not. Wow, it's a diaper company major... and it's the only one that came out against abortion? <laughs> Dude, I, it, this, this will blow you away, but I am dead serious. Every single major diaper company in the world today, vocally or financially, supports abortion. Wow. Every single one. You think that would be Every bad for business? Company. You would think so. <laughs> and I like why. We were having our first baby a year ago, so we mm. thought, you know what? Uh, we're not going to go fund the uh, the abortion industry with the purchase of our baby gear. That's absolutely absurd. So we thought, you know what? Let's create a diaper brand that actually will have a hopeful, positive, alternative message. Yeah, you can find it at everylife.com. Uh, and thankfully, we just heard from our Manufacturers Association this past week, we are the fastest growing baby care brand in modern history wow. because Americans are tired. They're tired of feeling like they don't have any options. And now they're proactively moving their money in a positive direction. Anytime there's a hole in the industry uh, that we see represented on Public Square where there's not a good competitor to some of the major incumbents, we'll go and we'll create that brand so that we can solve uh, the need of our consumers at a greater level. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. How many consumers do you have on the app? We have over 1.6 million. Wow, that's very good. Congratulations. How many businesses Thanks. are on the platform? Over 70,000. Wow. Maybe that's an opportunity. Matt, you have to remind me after the show today to, um, um, I'm talking to Matt Weber, uh, about um, having seen if InfoWars is a good fit for this. Uh, that'd be, that's, that's fascinating stuff. So, Of course. Um, We're aligned with your values. What's next for the business then? What are the, what are the big goals for Public Square by 2025? Well, you know, there's a real opportunity here in two areas. One is to counteract Amazon. 
You know, Amazon mm. has become uh, a very tyrannically run uh, corporate, uh, really or- oligarchy. That's the best word for it. And they, they are very happy to impose their values on you. And because they're so convenient, we've just kind of felt like that's really the only option. And so uh, people, you know, are more than happy to give their data over to Amazon and to allow them to treat their workers horribly and to steal American enterprise and stifle small businesses in the process uh, because we feel like we don't have another option. Our goal is to create the other option. Option. So constant feature additives to make it easier for consumers to quickly and efficiently support small businesses that you can find on publicsquare.com. Uh, that's the big goals. We head into 2024, continue to enhance our e-commerce capabilities to add convenience and ease to the shopping experience. We should not have to sell our soul as a country on the altars of convenience. We're, we've been doing that for decades and it's not working. So now it's time to actually create a shopping experience that does not absolutely decimate our ethics standing as a company and yet still provides an easy way to shop from businesses that make our country special. That's the first thing. The second thing, we have a massive election year coming up in 2024. Hey, before Uh, we go into the election year, we got to cut to break. I'm sorry to cut you off, Michael. Let's talk about the second thing at the beginning of the next segment. And we'll be right back. In the meantime, folks, visit publicsquare.com, sign up today and visit infowarsstore.com and get something good. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda at the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance this is my second book part two of the great reset in the war of the world it's a longer book a quite frankly more powerful book and just like the last book went to number one it is up to you to send to number one right now this is a cultural fight against the globalists and it funds the info war get signed or unsigned copies of the great awakening right now at infowarstore.com I want to thank you all for your support. This is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser with a very special guest, Michael Seifert, 
He's the CEO of Public Square, a marketplace app you can use to easily shop with brands that share your values and at the same time support local and American-owned businesses. Check him out on X.com at Real Michael Seif, Seif being spelled S-E-I-F. The website is publicsquare.com, spelled just how it sounds. Michael, we were getting into the second part. Your first part of this 2025 sort of strategy was being a competitor to Amazon. Second part, you mentioned the elections. Please go on. Well, I believe, you know, we say this every election cycle, but I really believe this year is the most consequential election in modern history. We've seen what the globalists and tyrants are willing to do. When we give them an inch, they take more than a mile. Uh, They take your freedoms, your liberties, and their desire is to truly I believe, throw us all in camps. We saw what they want to do during COVID. And if you carry that logic to its fullest extent, it's a very dark place. But we have not lost hope. The reality is a company like ours couldn't even exist or thrive if folks had completely lost hope. The reason we keep growing is because people are actually hopeful for alternatives. And so our goal as we head into the election year is actually to help shift through economic exchange the power structures of society back toward we the people. Mm -hmm. The reality is if you look at the Democrats and you look at what they did during 2020, you saw that this was a power struggle funded by uh, corporate America, when Mark Zuckerberg is going and pouring four hundred million dollars into the election, what what would what would be what did we think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the reality is their power centers, their profit centers are housed in corporate America. Their lobbyists have so much power over Washington D.C. And if we want to strip that, we can't just rely on the ballot box. I encourage everybody to go vote. We have to overwhelm their crony systems that they're trying to use to infiltrate the elections. But you also have to recognize that you have the ability to vote every single day with your wallet. So for example, we're hosting a public square town hall series where we actually, uh, we promote certain politicians, give them a stage, I should say, to be able to speak to the interests of the American small business community. And they have to make the case for why they believe that their policies will actually lead to prosperity for the American small business community. We're going to do a massive town hall series actually starting on Monday. We've got Donald Trump Jr. speaking with us. We've got Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana. uh, And we're going to have lots of different congressional officials make their case as to why the conservative agenda is one that will lead to prosperity. We're also going to really push heavily America first policies heading into 2024. We as a company do not endorse any candidates, but we certainly endorse views. And we Mm -hmm. believe ultimately that before the United States Congress should be focusing on other countries, we got to take care of our own people first. It's the classic airline analogy. If you're, you're getting on a plane, the cabin <clears throat> pressure were to drop, the mm-hmm. mask falls from the ceiling, and you're supposed to put your mask on before you put your neighbors on. That's right. the strongest case for nationalism. If you don't care, take care of your own economy first, you can't do any good to your own people nor the countries of the world. We as a country have to focus on our own economy first, and Public Square is the only marketplace that's paying attention to that need. So we've got some big plans heading into 2024 and 25, and uh, we're excited to roll them out to the country. Wow. You know what we got to do? We have to make a meme on our end of the airplane seat, three three seats. One seat's Donald Trump, one seat's Bibi Netanyahu, and one seat's the, the uh, Erdogan from uh, Turkey, and, and the masks are dropped. <laughs> it's like, who's supposed to put his mask on you? That's a great idea. I love that. So let me ask you this. What would you say is something you know now that you wish you had known when you started the business? I think I uh, I wish I would have known how powerful the parallel economy could be in terms of unifying lots of different 
uh, wings of the conservative base. Um, I think that uh, we would have um, we would have asserted more of the parallel economy language earlier. I think I misjudged how ready the country was for this. Uh, you know, we. I guess what I mean is, I wish I would have started earlier. I think yeah. I think that I I think that in the early days when I would pitch this to certain folks, they'd say, "Well, you know, is the country really ready for it? Are you sure?" And then Bud Light and Target and these things happen, and it's like, "Wow, okay, yeah, the country is ready." But I, I had the dream of this years ago, and I wish I would have uh, recognized the receptibility of the American people for a solution like this, the unifying force the parallel economy can be, uh, sooner than later. Uh, the whole country is never going to be unified. The idea that 340 million people are all going to get along is absolutely absurd. But even if you look at the conservative America first uh, patriotic base of the United States, we're looking at over 100 million people. Uh, The one issue that we can all rally behind is the need to vote with our wallet and support companies that support us back. I I wish I would have recognized how strongly other people needed this, not just me earlier, because we would have jump started. What would you say is the hardest thing that you've had to overcome since you started the business? Was was there ever a time when you were scared about the future of the business or just an obstacle that was really challenging? Uh, yeah, we've we've uh, we've had many days throughout this journey where I just thought, I, I don't see a path forward. It, it's wow. incredibly expensive to build something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is incredibly time consuming. And we're trying to ultimately confront not only Amazon, but also consumer complacency because of how convenient Amazon is. Right. Right. So uh, we're, we have two challenges ahead of us. We have to do what Amazon did in half the time and on one tenth of the budget. We can. We have the best developers on the planet that have left companies like Amazon because they're tired of the woke stuff, and they're now helping us build this platform. We can do that, but that's a real challenge. The other challenge, though, that we have to deal with is that uh, we are trying to build a solution, but a lot of people, unfortunately, still choose convenience over solutions. We have to help folks actually recognize uh, that one purchase can go a long way. I think a lot of us feel like, well, unless I can ditch my iPhone and my MacBook and my, uh, my, my Honda car that does the gay stuff, like unless I can ditch all this stuff, then I, I really can't make progress. And what mm. we're trying to instill in people is that, hey, with a purchase as simple as a cup of coffee from a company that does not hate you, because remember, Starbucks is using your money to fund abortions, to fund uh, the BLM agenda. So if we can recognize that with something as simple as diverting your cup of coffee purchase away from Starbucks and using an America First alternative instead, you can actually begin to change the country. Instilling that realization in people is a real challenge, but thankfully it's one that we've been able to conquer. And now it's like a compounding effect. When one person does it and they recognize the power of their wallet, they're gonna go tell three friends. And so our goal is that we would continue to grow this movement through a very grassroots effort. And uh, it's not easy, but it's very much worth it. Have you faced any issues with censorship uh, on big tech platforms. I know that you have an app, for example. So by having an app on the Apple Store or Google Play, you sort of have to abide by their terms uh, in terms of content that you have on the app. Have you had any issues that you faced with that? A little bit, not as much on the app stores because we're not a social platform. So, you know, they have a lot of restrictions around speech and things like this. They have less restrictions around what you can sell. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we we host gun companies, we host ammo, we host body armor, we host uh, all these things that are uh, probably frowned upon by Apple or Google. But at the same time, they allow those things on their platform. Um, So the fact that we're not a social platform gives us a little bit more leeway to... uh, 
operate without as much fear of cancellation than like a parlor, for example, or a gab might face because um, they're they're confronting the free speech issue, which is beautiful. They should. They could she should, they should keep running. Uh, we're, we're behind them 100 percent of the way. It's just we don't have that challenge given the marketplace positioning where we do face a lot of censorship, though, is social media uh, being able to put out our message on platforms like Meta or or Twitter before it became X or YouTube, for example. It's just impossible. So uh, we've really pushed at uh, utilizing platforms like Truth or like Rumble to get our message out there. The other piece that's really interesting, Chase, is that we have uh, vendors that we look to partner with for lots of different tools that we operate with within our business. And we have to ask these vendors every time we look at partnering with them, if we have a piece of negative publicity, will you drop us for our values? You'd be amazed at the amount of times people have said, yeah, we actually would drop you. And uh, so we require in writing for most all of our vendors now a clause that basically says, if we come under bad reputational attack, will you drop us? Uh, that you need to commit to not doing that. And we've had some vendors say, sure, we're in to do that. We've had other vendors say, no, we're not willing to. And so, you know, as much of the vetting as we can do on the front end is incredibly helpful for the tools that we employ for our own business. Uh, it's a wild world out there. Um, here's what I can say. The network of alternatives that are popping up not just in our world and consumer spending, but also in in infrastructure, in hosting, in database technology. Uh, it's enormous. So we have this very cool American Renaissance era we're heading into in tech, where the existing incumbents have revealed their cards, they've shown their true intentions, and everybody realizes how corrupt they are now. And so these great entrepreneurs are building these free speech alternatives and censor-free alternatives, and I'm here for it. It's very exciting. Wow, wow. Great stuff from the American hero, Michael Seifert. He's the CEO of Public Square Marketplace app you can use to easily shop with brands that share your values and at the same time support local and American-owned businesses. Make sure you check out Public Square at publicsquare.com and follow Michael at RealMichaelSeif. That's RealMichaelSeif on x.com. Stick with us, folks. we got more news coming in the next hour. We will be taking your calls in the next hour. And visit InfoWarsStore.com to be the reason we are still on the air while you can invest in yourself with some of these great products for your health and wellness. The InfoWars Live Silver Bullet Colloidal Silver has finally returned. To celebrate this powerful product's long-awaited homecoming, we're slashing $10 off the asking price, passing the savings on to you. Silver Bullet is the answer to Alex's extensive search for a powerful colloidal silver product that utilizes high-quality processes that has applications for both preparedness and regular use. Concentrated to 30 parts per million in a pure base of deionized water, this survival silver is the perfect fit for you and your family's routine and emergency supply. Beloidal silver is an amazing natural product that can assist your body's many healing processes. Do a deep dive, research the possibilities of colloidal silver yourself, and don't miss out on this limited time offer of $10 off. Try InfoWars Life Silver Bullet Colloidal Silver today. Available right now at InfoWarsStore.com.